This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, we probably ought to be getting faith, don't we? It's pretty, pretty self-explanatory there. So again, the question now arises, how do I get faith? Well, the only way the Bible says I get faith is Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So again, what he's telling us, if you want faith, get into the Word, and keep hearing the Word, and keep hearing the Word, and hearing the Word. So literally, the more I get into the Word, the more it feeds my faith, and the more faith I have, the more it starves my doubts. But again, that's on me, whether I get into the Word and get into faith. So now we jump back into Hebrews 11, verse 29. We're still on Moses. Been on Moses for several weeks. By faith, the Amplified says they were urged on by faith. The message says by an act of faith, they, the Israelites, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. I don't know if you've ever really, really read that and looked at it. That's an incredible statement right here. They... They passed through the Red Sea on dry land. Now, is that even possible? (laughs) Well, it's got to be with God. All things are possible with God. And so, no matter how crazy things appear in the Bible, man, I I choose to believe the Word of God. I, I can actually imagine some of this in my mind. I've seen pictures of areas of the Red Sea, how it actually looked. And I can see in my mind how God began to do that. It was a, it was a miracle. It was, a, it was an act of incredible faith. And so it goes on to say this. Whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so, but they were drowned. Now, to me what this signifies is the Israelites were God's kids. And the Egyptians were kids of the world. And every one of us in this room... We will either uh, uh, be kids of the kingdom or we'll be kids of the world. I don't care who you are. There's no neutral ground. And the only person that decides which kingdom you're going to be a part of is you. But to be a kingdom of, of, in the kingdom of God or a child of God, that's just not in word. Too many people right now will we'll say they're a Christian. They'll talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk. And so this is James 1.22. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so again, I, I can hear the word. You can hear the word day after day after day after day, but it will do you zero good unless you start acting upon it. So now we see the last verse here pertaining to, to Moses And this will give us another great insight why this man named Moses is in the Faith Hall of Fame. So go with me back into the Old Testament to the book of Exodus chapter 14. And we'll begin to pick up in that passage of just what we read. As you're going there, let me tell you what's going on right here as you're turning to Exodus 14. Remember the Lord had brought plague after plague after plague against the Egyptians. And the Pharaoh, the, the, the king of Egypt, he was so hard-hearted, he wouldn't let him go. And, and the, how hard-hearted he was, 
he would see the people of their land suffering it, but he wouldn't give in. And so remember, we, we talked about last week, the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. And remember, the only ones that would be saved, the only ones that had the blood, don't forget that. Stay under the blood, okay? Speak the blood. And so now where we pick up in this passage, the Pharaoh finally consents to let them go. He says, get them out of here. So we pick up in Exodus 14, verse number 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people, the Israelites, had fled. And the heart of the Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us, or better stated, from being our slaves. So the Pharaoh right here, you know what he does? Basically, you know what he's saying here? He changes his mind. He was saying, why'd we let them go? They were our servants. They were our slaves. But, but when I read this, I think, did, did this guy named the Pharaoh, did he have short-term memory? Did he have amnesia? Or was he just that stupid? And what I mean by that is, did he forget all those plagues that had just recently took place? You would think he'd say, man, get them out of my sight as far as we can. I don't want them near me. But instead, it's almost like he's saying, I'm, I'm going to show the God of Israel who's boss around here. You don't mess with God that way. Verse 6, so he, the Pharaoh, made ready his chariot, and he took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. Now, when you see this the 600 choice chariots, these were war chariots. These would be very similar to the armor tanks of our time. And, and in these chariots, everything I can find out about them, you had the, the driver, and next to the driver, you had the warrior. So there would be two of them in there. So now, just a little multiplication here, you find out real quick that just in this part, there's at least 1,200 of them that are going. It goes on to say, and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. So guess what happens? There was more and more and more of them that came on. Verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them and all the horses and the chariots of the Pharaoh his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them camping by the sea beside Piharoth and before Baal-Zephon. Now, I want you to get a picture of this. The Israelites have left, and now the Egyptians are closing in. You know what this is? This is an uh-oh moment. Now, just think for a minute. This had to be very intimidating. I, I, I can picture almost... The sound on all the noise of those chariots, those horses, their hoofs, all the noise. And, and the children of Israel, man, they're, they're jacked. They're, they're high on cloud nine. They're ready to go. And all of a sudden, they look back and they see this. Verse 10. And when the Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So think about this. They've got the water in front of them. They've got the Egyptians in back of them. So they got three choices. We surrender. 
We fight or we call upon the name of the Lord. Now it's very interesting if you look at, at how quick humanity, even me and you, we can change. Look at the end of verse 8 and it says, And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Woo, they were bold. They were fired up. But look at the end of verse 10. And now they were very afraid. And so what is going on right here? And this is 2 Corinthians 5.17 for every one of us in this room. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now what happens with them when they begin to see the things of the Egyptians? They freak out. They get all moved on the inside. And when I look at this, do I walk by faith? Do I walk by what Father God says, or am I dominated by what I see? Now, every one of us in here, man, we've been dominated by what we see so many times. We've let it override the Word of God right here. So they catch up to Him. Verse number 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Now the reason I want to highlight this, Moses was a champion. He may have been the greatest leader ever on the history of this earth because they estimate that their men, women, and children, there was almost three million of them. And the majority of them were against him. The majority of them were a bunch of crybabies. Day after day after day, they belly ached and they whined. And so what begins to happen here when life got tough and when crisis came? This became the Israelites' theme. This became their pattern. Now here's a question for me and you. When problems arise, when crises arise... Do you grumble and do you complain? See, how often of every one of us in this room, how, how many of us have claimed, uh, complained and bellyache over life's inconveniences? And when we get discomforted just a little bit, I'll answer that question. Every one of us. It's so hot. It's so cold. We're, we're freezing. So that's what I'm talking about. We, we live in such incredible conditions in our society that when the slightest thing begins to happen, we become the biggest bedwetters on earth. Now I'm saying we, okay? And so it's very easy to get over and cr a, a, a grumble and complain. And so again, this is why I said Moses was a great leader. To put up with this stuff day by day by day. But not only day by day. When you study them, it was literally year after year after year. So they get in the, the, the pattern of complaining. We don't like the manna. You're talking about having it made. You kick back and God rains this food down on you. We don't like the water. We don't like the quail dinner. We don't, we don't. See, if I'm not careful, I can become a habitual complainer. And so again, I want to highlight this guy named Moses. He was a man of God right here. So we keep reading verse 12. 
Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we should die in the wilderness. You know what they said to Moses right here? We should have never listened to you. Now here's the thought that came to me. I would rather listen to Moses than a bunch of bedwetters like that. I would rather listen to someone that challenges me to live for God than someone that just always complains. Now here's the truth of the matter. Not only do I like to hang out with people that are like Moses's, what would happen if we would become Moses's and we would become the voice of faith? Now you get a little glimpse again of why this guy named Moses or Moses was in the Faith Hall of Fame. Verse number 13. Now look what he says here. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish, accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And so he, he has a statement of faith. He gives them a de declaration of faith. And he's saying, fellas, this is what God's going to do. He wants to do this for us. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Moses knew the faithfulness of God. Now that phrase right there where it says, you shall hold your peace, the literal, uh, the literal translation says, be quiet. Let me give you my paraphrased edition. Shut up. This is what he said. Be quiet. Again, most of our problems in our life, they happen about an inch or a half inch beneath your nose and my nose. And it's called this thing right here. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why James said in 119, and if any of you like to get tattooed, you like to get ink, ink James 119, be swift to hear and slow to speak. In other words, learn to shut up. It's kind of like what Mama said. Mama said, if you can't say anything good about anybody, just shut up. You're big on that word tonight, aren't you? I am. So he understands right here. You know what Moses knows? If they start talking again, they'll negate everything that God wants to do. Woo, it's powerful. There's a lesson in there for me and you. Verse number 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward to get moving. But he said to Moses, Lift up your rod. Lift up your rod. Now, I'm, I'm really excited about this part tonight. I only get to bring this out every now and then. Lift up your rod. This rod, I believe, it, it represented the power of God, the greatness of God. And if you study with Moses, the only time he ever picked that rod up was, I mean, in critical situations. And so God said, pick up your rod. Now look what he goes on to tell him. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall grow on, go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Get your rod out. 
Stretch your hand out right there. I don't know if you guys picked this up in the Bible. There is power within our hands in the name of Jesus. The laying on of hands, that's a form of worship. And right there, he said, you stretch that rod out and you, you, you put your hand out. And here's the, here's the thought for you, okay? What would that happen or what would it look like in your life or mine if God would have told you to do that? Do, do what? what? What do you want me to do again? Do, do you realize they're coming after us? And, but the interesting thing about Moses, he had gotten so close to Father God that he knew when Father God said to do something, he didn't question it. He just stepped out by faith and he lived with this thought, if God said it, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do it. When I read this, I don't believe he blinked. I don't think, I think he went and found that rod and said, okay, Lord, let's go. Jump down with me for time's sake to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back to the strong east wind all that night. And he made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. I believe with all my heart, not only was Moses praising God, but I believe there was a snicker within the inside of him. You suckers. Listen to me. I believe that's what he's saying. Just listen. Verse 22. So the children of Israel went out in the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of Egyptians, or he confused them. And he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty, I bet. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. Now look at this. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They understood. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may came back upon the Egyptians and their chariots on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of the Pharaoh that came to the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters walled them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now, can you imagine that picture? All those horses and chariots and all those dead men floating up there on the seashore. Keep reading. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and they believed the Lord his servant Moses. And so trust and obedience was a lesson that the Israelites would have to learn over and over and over again. So when you begin to see this right here with this man named Moses, man, you begin to realize he was a champion. He was an incredible man. Now when I read this passage, and I'm not going to have you turn there,
But I was going to have you turn to, to Romans 8, 31. It says, if God be for us, everybody else might as well be. It really says, if God be for us, who can be against us? When I read this right here, that's exactly what took place. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so when you look at everything that takes place here, I'm going to have you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When you look at everything that takes place here, what a difference a promise from God makes. When God makes a promise, in the Bible, it's a word called a covenant. A covenant means a binding legal promise. It's binding. God is a covenant God. Now what happens to us often is when we see promises from God, we have the thought that God's kind of like people. He's a little wishy-washy. He may change, God doesn't change his mind. The greatest example in the Bible to me of a covenant God is right after God flooded the earth, the sign that he gave mankind that he would never flood it again was a rainbow. I don't know about you, but every time I see it rain and there's a rainbow, whoo, I say, that's a covenant God right there. There's his mark. So I want you to hold, hold tightly to that. What a difference a promise makes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking right here. And the Apostle Paul was saying, just as God is faithful, our word or the message to you was not yes and no. In other words, Paul wasn't the type of person who would say yes, but meant no. In other words, when Paul preached the word of God, he didn't waver. Verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in the Lord Jesus was yes. So you know what he's telling us here? Jesus doesn't waver between yes and no. When Jesus says yes, it's yes. Watch verse 20. For all the promises of God, maybe you need to highlight that word, for all the promises of God in him, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And so when you see the word yes, it means yes. When it says amen, you know what the word amen means? So be it. So be it. So when you end your prayer in Jesus' name, amen, you're saying, so be it. For all the promises of God are resounding Yes, so what I'm telling you here is when God begins to give you a promise or you find a promise in the Bible, understand, it's yes and amen. Not maybe so, not hope so, not perhaps so. But where we get in trouble as human beings is this little, little bitty word called but. And every one of us have used it. I know what the Word of God says, but. I know what the Scriptures say, but. But here's where we got to get to. My experiences in life and even my dreams 
don't override the Word of God. The Word of God does not change. And I know that can be a tough pill to swallow right here, but God doesn't say one thing and mean another. Now you're really, really close. Turn back with me to the book of Romans chapter 15. And the reason I'm going back to Romans, 15, uh, Romans chapter 15 is that was cross-referenced there. Actually, the verse I quoted to you a minute ago in, in Romans 8, 31, that's cross-referenced in Exodus 14. If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, listen to these two verses in Romans chapter 15. Verse number 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The New Living Translation says that through the Scriptures we may have patience and comfort and the promises of God will be fulfilled. Same chapter, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant, a minister to the circumcision or the Jews for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. So guess what he's saying right here? Jesus is the fulfiller of those promises. So when I begin to pray, I get a hold of the Word of God. I stand on the Word of God. And you know, I continue to stand on it. In Jesus' name. The name of Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of the, or the fulfiller of all the promises. So what happens is every time I find a promise written in the Bible, I choose whether I'm going to uh, agree with it, I'm going to believe it, or I'm going to obey it. But here's what I found out about every promise in the Bible. If you're born again, those promises are to you. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says that God has, has made us partakers of the inheritance in light. We have an inheritance, every one of us. But you can never use your inheritance unless you know what it is. So I got to get into the word and I got to dig into those words and I find out what those promises are. Then I begin to get into agreement with those promises and I begin to speak them out of my mouth. I begin to believe them with my heart. See, here's the thing. Every one of us in this room, if you're born again, you have a right to it. Acts 10.34 says, God is no respecter of persons. That was what the apostle Peter said. God is not a respecter of persons. So you know what that tells me? The very thing that God has done in Roxanne's life, he'll do in mine. He'll do in yours. So you know what, here's the, the conclusion then. It's like a buffet. Every one of us have a right to go through the buffet of God's promise and say, Woo, Father God, I welcome that today. Woo, thank you. You think the forgiveness of sins was just for a few of us? No, that's a promise to every one of us. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we'll confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. That's for every one of us in this room. Again, we're children of God. And so when you look at all the promises of God, just ask Moses what he thought about those. Because he would say, live your life trusting and believing God. Even when it doesn't make sense right here, God is a faithful God. And so, man, as I finish reading that with, with Moses, and I begin to think, thank God we had men of faith. But it wasn't back for then. It's right now. 
There's men of faith. There's women of faith. There's great families of faith. And guess what? God's desire is every one of us in here. You to be a man and woman of faith. That your home would be the homes of faith where we trust God and we believe God. And so, if God said it, then act on it. I'll close with this. Years ago, I'm sitting at a traffic light, and in front of me there's a car, and there are bumpers right in front of me, and I can read what it says. And this bumper sticker said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You know what I thought? Well, that's a pretty good bumper sticker. And right there, I sensed in my heart this right here. The Lord said, that's not true. You know what he said to me? He said, I believe it. And whether or not you agree with it or not, it's settled in heaven. Whether or not you agree, it's a done deal in my eyes. And so again, you know what he's saying? You got the choice. It's a choice to believe it. It's a choice to act on the word. So, get in the word and God will get into you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.